I'll go ahead and dismiss our children, our youth, and our ladies for all of their classes and Bible studies that they have going on tonight. I do want to again, you know, give a shout out to our teachers who prepare week in and week out, week in and week out to teach and reach the children and the youth each week. I, I know it takes a lot of work, but it also takes a lot of heart. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. We'll wait for them to kind of depart for just a little bit. Amen. And for those of you who are remaining in here with me, we've been going through uh, this month's series on CGSL, the mission to others. The mission being connect with God, grow in faith, serve others, and finally leading by example. Um, and, and to kind of start tonight, I want to give a, a brief recap of what we talked about last week with, concerning helping others connect with God. Uh, first, we learned about the importance of connecting with God and what the results are thereof after that connection with Him. How not only being connected to Him, to the vine, is enough, but, but growing the fruit thereafter is a must. It is important. It, it should be that, that of which is a result of connecting with Jesus, the true vine. Amen? Amen. And following that, we talked about ways to connect with God through our prayer uh, which is the baseline for, for everything, then our praise and worship, which includes our time, our talents, and our money, that, then meditation on the word, which is all-encompassing of reading, prayer, worship, and application. Application. And when you read something in the word, and you understand that that scripture is speaking to you, or you understand stand what it's speaking to you, the steps thereafter in the application, when we apply it to our own lives are what determine whether you are being a hearer and a doer or just a hearer. Now tonight I want to begin by looking at this passage um, in, in James chapter 1 on being a hearer and a doer. Can we turn to James chapter 1? And I want to begin with verse number 22. And if you're able, let's go ahead and stand for the reading of the word. And I'm reading from the New King James tonight. James chapter 1 beginning with verse 22. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, somebody say, not a doer. He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. This one will be blessed in what he does. And with that, and as you're taking your seats, tonight's Bible study will be centered on helping others grow in faith. Helping others grow in faith. And before I go any further tonight, I want us to go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we thank you for being the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank you that we can find anything and everything in your word that we need to live our daily lives, that of which we should follow each day. Lord, right now we take captive every thought and bring them all into your obedience. Lord, please allow me to be a vessel for you tonight and what you desire for your church. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. 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 So like last week and the weeks to come, um, Tonight, I will have two top-level questions that, that I will work through and I will answer. The first is, how do I grow in faith? And then the second will be, why do I need to grow in faith? So how and why? 
So the word that James writes in this passage that we just read can be taken as some very strong, pointed words. They can be some very sharp words, right? But, but also some very important truths. If you have read any part of the book of James, you know that he is really one to cut straight to the point on almost anything when it comes to anything. And I can read this, and it brings a sense of urgency to me to make sure that, oh, I better make sure that I'm doing this because the Word tells me to do it. Or, yep, I need to make sure I'm staying away from that because the Word tells me to stay away from it. And so on. And as I was praying and preparing for tonight's Bible study, this passage just struck me as one that has everything to do with growing in faith and how one can grow in faith. So you see, James puts it into perspective, starting with being a hearer and a doer. He says it twice there. When, when you hear something, what do you do with it? If it calls for an action, do you act on it? Or do you just turn away and continue in the same way you were before? Growing in faith begins with an action. It begins with a movement, not, not maybe a physical movement unless you physically need to remove yourself from a situation that's deterring your relationship with God, but, but a shift that's within you. In talking about that physical movement from a place, we can look back to the Israelites who, who were freed from their captivity. They were physically freed, but they were still in bondage to the Egyptian ways to the Egyptian mindset. They, they, they still had that Egyptian mindset in that they were accustomed to the provisions that they were given while they were in bondage, while they were in slavery, and even though they were slaves, so, so that when they were freed, they still wanted that. They still wanted those provisions. They were still so captivated by that. They were thinking, we're out here and we have nothing. We were provided for there. They were still captivated. They had to remove themselves, not only physically, but also in every other way. And that, would take, and that, and that took some work. Uh, there was a shift that, that had to take place within them. And some, some allowed for that shift, while others did not. And you can go back and read it and find out what happened to those that did and those that didn't. That same shift is one that prayerfully takes place in each of you that says, in order for me to get closer to the Lord, I have to work through those things that once had me in bondage. And while doing that, I have to grow closer to Him. There is a growth here that I need to do. I may not get it all the way right the first time, hear me, but I know I need to grow in this area. But the question may be, how? How, how do I grow in faith. And this is something that can be tied back to the Bible study we had last week and being connected to the vine because once one is connected, so the fruit begins to produce. And if you were anything like me, when I read that, you know, I've read that passage many times. I don't know how many times I've read it, but it wasn't until more recently that, that the words just literally went right off the page. I was like, whoa, connection and growth go hand in hand with one another. You know, I, I knew that you can't just come to the Lord and not have a connection with him. He desires that connection with him. You have to have a connection with him to, to, to know him, to, to come to know him, to, to be with him. But, but when, do, when, when you do call on the Lord, 
and He does begin to work in your life, when you receive that salvation in Jesus' name, and you are grafted into the vine, there is the connection. There's the connection. From that connection, so you begin to grow. You begin to grow the fruit that comes from Him. And when those words zoomed into my spirit from the page, the first thing that came to my mind is it's both and, not one or the other. Your connection with God to the vine is the start of the production of that fruit. It is the start of your growing in faith. So he begins to prune you so that you can produce more of that fruit. So the growth continues. And then a spirit of thankfulness begins to rise up within you that shouts from the mountaintop saying, he's still working on me. (laughs) I'm still the clay in his hands. He's still molding me and shaping me. Hallelujah. And that is where growing in faith begins, in the molding and the shaping. But first, even before that, one must be a hearer and a doer. Someone say doer. Doer. Choose to be a doer of the word. To be a doer implies that you are a performer of that word. It describes a mode of action. In other words, don't just merely listen to the word. I can read the word, but be ye hearers and doers of the word. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. You can hear me read that. You can read that for yourself. You can listen to it on your, your uh, device. But become a doer. Take action. Make the move. Make the decision. This is how one begins to grow in faith, by becoming a doer, a doer of the word. Now, listening is a trait that's very important. You know, I've, we often hear the, the, the Bible says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. I, I believe that's the reason why we have two ears and one mouth. But listening is not enough. Everyone should hear the word, but, but it's not enough to just hear the word. For if one just listens, one can become spiritually stagnant. Has anyone ever been to a lake or any body of water that has an inlet but it doesn't have an outlet? You know, the, did, did you ever notice a smell coming from that body of water? Anybody ever been to a body of water where it just stunk? That, that is the smell of stagnancy. It does not, it's not a pleasant smell, but there, you know, stagnancy is the state of being inactive. There's things flowing in. There, there may be something flowing in, but there's nothing flowing out. There's no movement. One place in particular is, is the Dead Sea. You've heard of the Dead Sea. There, there's no outlet in the Dead Sea. Water can only leave by evaporation. The water is so salty from the minerals that rise up that hardly anything can survive. Our lives can become like the Dead Sea when we only receive the Word of God and then do not translate it into appropriate action. A lake can have the most beautiful spring water in the world following or flowing into its reservoir, but unless there are outlets, that beautiful water becomes stale and stagnant. Without life, that same phenomenon takes place in our lives if we are not living the life of active obedience and allowing His Spirit to overflow in our lives. Now, this may go without saying, but nothing is more obnoxious to God than dead spirituality. Looking a little later in James 4.17, he writes, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it not, To him, it is sin. In other words, to know the word of God and to not live it is sin. 
Now, as I was preparing for this Bible study, I, I felt that a couple of eyebrows might pop up when I read that, saying, oh. So I kind of anticipated that for tonight. But, but I, so I believe the understanding is here that we must be a hearer and a doer, that, that hearing and doing go hand in hand with one another and how that is essentially your, your start to your growing in faith. But, but every once in a while, one may find themselves into what I will refer to as the spectator syndrome. What's that? Well, I'm glad you asked. When I go to a baseball game or a football game or, or, or maybe a race or a concert or whatever, or a play, or even a demolition derby, which those are, there are a lot of those happening this time of year. I love to go to those. I haven't been to one in a while, but I would love to see one again. I am going as a spectator. I am going to watch whatever is taking place. I am going to watch the action. What I am not going to do is take part in that action. I'm not going to be putting on any football pads and joining the people on the field. I'm not going to be grabbing my baseball mitt and, and going to play first base. I'm not going to be painting my car funny colors and entering it into a demolition derby. I'm, a mere, I'm merely a spectator of that. But the same spectator mentality can sometimes find its way into the church. One can come to church and enjoy listening to the word of God preached and taught Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday. Their heads are filled with all of this biblical knowledge and facts, but that does not translate into their lives. There, there, there is a seeming ignorance of translating that knowledge into godly living. In, in relating this back to the beautiful body of water with the water flowing in but not out, the knowledge goes in, but nothing comes out. The spiritual heads continue to grow larger and larger while, while the spiritual bodies waste away from lack of movement, from lack of use. These are what James refers to as being deceived. They deceive themselves from knowing, from hearing, without doing. And as we read in our passage, these people that are deceived simply look into the mirror, compare themselves with themselves, and then go away forgetting what they saw. If I look into a mirror, but I only look at myself based on what I think to be right, without first lining that up with the Word of God, then I deceive myself. I will always look right if I look based on what I, I think to be right, or what, what I believe to be right, or, or based on a theology that agrees with my standards. I will always think that I'm doing okay if I do that. But, but as you may have guessed already, or you may be thinking already, I'm deceived. A major part of growth is realizing the very need to grow. It's realizing the need to grow. It's realizing that I can't just feed on this and not do something with it. You know, to, to give you kind of a personal example of this, and I, I kind of got a chuckle today, and I'll tell you why in just a bit, but my line of work that I do currently does not allow for much, if any, physical labor. When I, when I first started at the company I work for, it was nothing but physical labor. Nothing but physical labor, and, and I was in pretty good shape back then, right? That was almost 10 years ago. And unless someone can tell me otherwise, I look back at that time and, and the time now and my diet, my food intake, what I, what I digest has not changed 
Now, I may have had bouts of eating really healthy here and there. I can remember those times. They didn't last very long, and I'm really going to dig myself a hole here now. But, but for the most part, my diet hasn't changed. What has changed? The work that I do has changed. My, the, the, the physical output that I do has changed. The amount of physical energy that I use each day has changed. I'm not expending as much physical energy as I was before, so therefore, the energy that, was stored, that is stored up has turned to fat. It's, turned for, uh, it's good for nothing. I have swelled up a little bit. You know, I've noticed that I've, I've gained a few pounds and things like that. And here, here's kind of the funny part about that, because it just so happens that today I was not in the office and I was working in the shipping department all day, so I was on my feet all day. I was out in the shop all day, and I'm like, huh, isn't that something? And, and I sweat all day. I expended a lot of energy. I'm thinking, I'm going to be tired for church tonight. You know what? I'm not really all that tired. I, it, it hasn't really changed much, but, but I expended so much more energy. And I'm like, Lord, you really do have a sense of humor, don't you? Because I'm here telling you that I don't do much work, and then today I do all of this work. And I'm like, huh, well, thank you, Lord. So, so I, you know the difference. Like, if you, if you expend all of this energy, you know, it's, it's going to leave you, right? It's going to be shown through you. You're going to, you know, I'll, I'll put it into perspective. Like, the energy that I expended, it comes out in my, in my sweat and things like that. You know, you see the work that's being done. Like that, we can take all of this information that we have, the Word, we can take the whole Word and all of this knowledge, but if we do not do something with it, if we do not do something with it, then we will be nothing but puffed up. I could liken it to the Pharisees, to the Sadducees, to the Essens, and those groups who thought that they were each right in their own eyes. I keep the customs, they say. I keep the word, they say. Do you remember the Pharisee and the tax collector who, who both went to the temple to pray? How the Pharisee said, yep, I give of my tithes. Yep, I give to the poor. Yep, I do this. Yep, I keep your word. Yep, I do all these things when... At the end of the day, he was really just praying to himself. I do this, I do that. But the tax collector, the tax collector was the very opposite. He's like, ah, ah, forgive me, a sinner. Forgive me, I've messed up. I need more of you. I, I've expended all this. I, I need you, Lord. And then we look at Paul, who had a wake-up call on, on, at some point in his life, um, who was a Pharisee of Pharisees, realized that this was not the case. He was a Pharisee. He was one of those that said, yep, I keep the law. Yep, I do this and I do that. But he's also the same one that held the garments for those who stoned Stephen. So he approved of that. He was once one, he was one that was once deceived until he was blinded on the road to Damascus. Then his eyes were opened. And further, that translated into a greater portion of what we know as the New Testament. Paul put what he knew to action. Paul put what he had realized to action. Yes, there was some correcting. Yes, there were some beliefs that needed to be changed a little bit. There was still some molding that needed to take place. But Paul had to relearn some things and maybe unlearn a few things. He had to be tweaked here and there, but he didn't waste any time. Paul hit the ground running. In looking back to James, as we read, he goes on with more pointedness, not only telling us to become doers of the word, but telling us how 
to do it. James writes in verse 25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. James was reaching to the perfect law, was teaching on the perfect law. He didn't mention what it was, but, but looking up a few verses, James says every good and perfect gift, excuse me, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. The perfect law is from God. When we look intently to it and we look throughout Scripture, we can see that the law hinges on loving God and loving others. When we look into the perfect law, we see God. This past Sunday, I talked about that agape love, this agape love which is pure. When we look to that perfect law and how how all of what we come to believe and know and live are hinged on these two things, loving God and loving others, loving your neighbor. When we look into the perfect law of God, as James writes, it, it is not to catch a glimpse of ourselves. The term can be translated correctly as peering into it. Peering into the word. When I thought about this peering into the word, my, my mind went, else, went, went to something else that we might peer into. When, when you have a drink in a cup of any kind or maybe in a bottle, do you ever just take a drink from that cup without first looking into it? Do you ever just grab the cup and slurp up whatever in the bottle of whatever it is? Do you look to see how much liquid is in there to kind of gauge how much you're going to take a drink? I, I won't ask for a show of hands as to who may do this or who doesn't, but, but I can imagine that it happens at least once while you're, you're drinking your favorite beverage. You peer into the cup, you look to see what's there, but you don't just look in. Chances are, that's followed by a drink. <laughs> like this, we peer into the perfect law, his word, and not just to look, but we read, as we read, as you study and meditate, so an appetite begins to form, so a thirst begins to well up within you, that thirst that can only be satisfied by the Savior, that thirst that, can, that, that one can try to quench with other things, but other things will not quench, only the Savior. Jesus said in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But wait, hold on just a second. In his Sermon on the Mount, as we, may, as we know it referenced, Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. And sometimes I hear people stop there and say, yeah, I hunger after him. Yes, I do thirst for him. But they neglect to continue reading that very same passage, that's the, the best part of the first that says, for they shall be filled. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hallelujah. If you hunger and thirst for Jesus, he will fill you up. As you continue to grow, your, your thirst 
continues to increase. You, you grow closer to the Lord. Your, your hunger continues to increase for Him. You desire more and more of Him. Your, your desire may be small today, but as you continue to grow, as you continue to look to His Word, as you continue to look to Him and walk as He desires you to walk and be who He desires you to be, so you will begin to realize that these other things just aren't doing it for me any longer. I need more of you, Jesus. I need more of you. You are all that can fill me up. You are all that can fill my cup. You are the only one that can fill me up until my cup overflows. I believe there maybe there needs to be some cups that need to overflow here tonight. I'm looking at some maybe half empty or some half full cups that God just wants to overflow here tonight. So I wonder if we can just stand all over this place. We're going to stretch just a little bit. But I wonder, I wonder if just for a moment, if we can give the Lord just all of our praise for just a moment and say, Lord, fill me up. Come on, use your voices all over this place and begin to praise Him. Just begin to thank Him. Say, Lord, fill me up. I, I don't want to move on any further until we praise Him for just a moment. Come on, just begin to thank Him for filling you up. Thank Him for His goodness. Thank Him for His mercy, for His grace. Thank Him for His truth. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, fill me up, oh God. My cup overflows as I continue to seek You, as I continue to fulfill Your purpose in my life. Fill me up, oh God. Fill me up, oh God. Let it overflow. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, come on, let your faith grow in this place for just a moment. Come on, let it grow just for a moment, oh hallelujah. <laughs> I have faith, oh Lord. Lord, I may not be able to see what you're doing, but I believe that you are here. I believe that you are working even when I can't see it, oh God. I believe you're moving even when I can't feel it, oh God. I trust in you, Adabaye, in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Amen. I want to say in that, I want to stay in that same spirit for just a moment and just share and kind of transition at this moment to, to the question of why do I need to grow in faith? <clears throat> and when I anticipated this question, I immediately related it to sanctification. Sanctification. What is it? What is sanctification? It is the immediate result or process or transition that happens after justification. When, when a person experiences justification, at that point, they have repented. They have been baptized in Jesus' name. They have been filled with His precious Spirit. And a side note on that, if you have any questions on that, you can see myself or someone from the pastoral team after service. But, but immediately after justification, sanctification begins. I was hoping I could snap tonight, but... For some reason, I can't. <laughs> sanctification, thank you, Bishop. Sanctification begins, but, but sanctification is a process. Somebody say process. process. It is not a one and done. It is not an end all. The end all is glorification. Amen? Sanctification is the way to stay saved. So that one day we can hear Jesus say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. I think I can speak, and I, I'm pretty sure I can speak for all of you when I say, I want to hear him say that one day. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's a process. Sanctification is a process. And guess what? Processes take time. You know, there's, there's processes that have been 
um, instill that my job that we're still working the kinks out of. And that's kind of what sanctification is, is God's kind of working all the kinks out of you so that he can flow smoothly through you. You know, he, he's, working all, he's working through those hard spots. He, he's working through those spots that, that maybe there's a little too much of something, and, he, and he's getting rid of that. He's, he's working out those kinks so that, again, he can flow just right through you. Hallelujah. Sometimes processes may be quick. There may be times where it feels, whoo, I'm really moving fast now. And others may be slower, but it's a process. With that, it's a lifelong process. With every breath that I have, with every move that I make, with everything that I am. And in talking about this process, I want to I turn your attention to the book of Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, the writer of Hebrews explains, beginning with verse 1, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. In verse 3, and this we will do if God permits. And I can summarize it like this. Show up, but don't just show up to church don't just make an appearance, but are you ready? Get ready. Show up. Get ready. The writer is sort of getting after his readers for, for still being in infancy, saying, don't just stay there. Keep going. Keep growing. Growing in faith is likened unto maturing. Everyone who has ever been born again has gone through what the word referred to as the newborn babe phase. That you are newly born in Christ. You are, you are newly born again. You are a newborn. And what, what do newborns need? They need milk. That's all they can handle is milk. You, you can't feed a newborn meat. Why? Because they can't handle it. You can't feed a newborn bread. Why? Because they can't handle it. But... One is not a newborn forever. Maybe I need to say that again. One is not a newborn forever. There is a time where more solids begin to be introduced as you continue to grow. So growth happens as you are a newborn. You've got to grow from that, but continues as you are an infant, and the adolescent, and then a teenager, and then a young adult, and then an adult, and so on and so forth. And with that, so the nourishment from the word becomes different with each of those areas that you may find yourselves in. So why grow in faith? Because we need that nourishment. We need that growth. We need to grow in our faith. Can I, can I be honest with you for just a moment? I, I know, I'm, that's kind of a redundant question, but, but hopefully you understand. Life here on earth is not easy In fact, I'll just put it plain. Life is hard. Is that all right? Thank you. But, but this growing in our faith is what will help us to get through this life. As followers of Jesus, faith is the key component. Paul puts it into perspective, this hard life here and leading up to talking about faith in 2 Corinthians 5 beginning with verse number 1. For we know that our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, 
earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. Somebody say, I just can't wait to get to heaven. Hallelujah. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more fear. There'll be no more hurt. There'll be no more struggle. There'll be no more anguish. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, verse 3, if indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that morality may be swallowed up by life. Anyone ever found themselves looking up to Jesus and just saying, any day now would be nice, Lord? You can come anytime now. Maybe like 12.01 a.m. Come quickly, amen. You can come anytime now, Lord. Now, Verse 5, he, has, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent for the, from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And if you can just put your thumb there for a moment or write that down, faith is what we need. Why? Because we will have trouble in this world. There will be trouble in this world. And as I just stated moments ago, you will have days, and you've probably had days already, where you're just looking up thinking, any time now, Lord, would be nice. But the truth is, is that life is full of trouble. Now, am I saying that it's all trouble? No. We can have reason with, we can re, we can reason with each other that there are some very good moments that happen. You know, there's there's things in my life that I hope I never forget and I won't forget. But there's also trouble. One surefire indicator of this trouble can be found in the very words of our Lord and Savior when he was speaking to his disciples about it in John 16:33. These things I have spoken to you. That in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. <laughs> be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. <laughs> this tribulation includes persecution, affliction, distress, pressure. It's a feeling of being trapped like, ha, huh, there's no way out. Feeling as if there's no way of escape. Jesus said these times will come. But guess what else is coming? <laughs> be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. To be of good cheer, one must build up in that faith. You know, when, when that faith rises up in you so that joy begins to flow through you, and then you begin to be cheerful. You're cheerful because you know, <laughs> I know what's coming. You know, <clears throat> you may feel like you're being attacked. You may feel like the devil is just out to get you. But why don't you just turn to the devil and say, did you forget the end of the book? Well, I win. I'm going to choose to be of good cheer because in the end, guess what? I've got the victory. You're defeated. I already know you're defeated. You can tantalize me all you want, but, but I know who's going to win in the end. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on him. But you, can, you, can, you, he's, you can tantalize him too maybe a little bit, but, but you've you, you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. <laughs> and it just drives the enemy nuts. Who wants to drive the enemy's bonkers? <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You see, 
We've got to have that faith that believes that Jesus will one day return. Faith is the key to grow in that faith. Believe in the words which you have read, that which have been spoken, that what, have you, what you've been taught, and be of good cheer to turn that grief to joy, as Jesus says. You see, there, there may be a temptation to give up on faith. There may be a temptation to give up on the Lord because of things that go wrong, because of hard times. But guess what? Guess what, child of God? We can have the courage to continue in the faith and to not lose faith because we know all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Somebody say all. Not some, not just a little bit over here or a little bit over there, but all. That means the high tides and the low tides. That means the tribulation and the joy. That means the pain and the comfort. That means all. Last time I checked, all meant all. All's always meant all. It always will mean all. And I can say this somewhat jokingly, but, but if it didn't mean all, then the rest of the scripture that uses all would be up for debate. You know, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Or old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. But those aren't up for debate either. So I digress. All means all. The next reason to grow in faith is because life will move in different directions. I was talking with Pastor Jeremy about this moments ago, but in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, which can be known as a chapter titled, A Time for Everything, goes on and on saying, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under the sun, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. I'm going to go finish. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. There is a time for everything. And in this life, you will experience ups and downs. You will experience ins and outs. You will experience new jobs, new homes, new cars. You will need to spend more time here and take time away from there. There will be many directions that life will take you, but growing in your faith will give you the courage to move in that new direction as the, Lord's, as the Lord leads that life takes you. And remembering most importantly that Jesus needs to stay at the center of it all. The next reason is that fear is real. The emotion of fear is real, and a strong faith is necessary because of that. Fear can be paralyzing. I would be lying if I said that I've never been gripped by fear, that I've never been paralyzed by fear. Fear can keep you from living the life that God has designed you to live. On that note, can I tell someone here today who may be living in fear at this very moment, that God did not design your life to be lived in fear? 
And while that may sound a bit pointed, I, I understand the fear that you may be facing. But, but, but one, when one puts that into perspective to, ju- to just how great God is, when one puts that into perspective of how great he is, it ails in comparison. Whether it be fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of disappointing others, fear of not measuring up, faith surpasses fear. Will you choose faith or will you choose fear? Choose faith. The next reason is uh, for one to grow in faith is one that I expect to have a lot of meaning here tonight. We must grow in faith because others will struggle. I want you to think about those that you are around every day, those that you talk to every day, your family, your friends, your coworkers, people that you come into contact with on a daily basis will struggle from confusion. They'll struggle from doubt. They'll struggle with discouragement. With your growth in faith, you will be able to help others in their struggles. As you grow in faith, it's not just something that you keep boxed up in here. It will be made evident to those around you. It will be clear. People may ask you. People may seek you out if they're struggling because they know your faith. They may not have an anchor to drop to stop the storm, which is why they look to you to help them out uh, first, you know, they, to let them onto your boat, you know, and, and experience that anchor. Say, hey, come with me. Let me show you. But they too, after seeing that and after experiencing that, that, it, that he's the anchor that holds me down, the anchor that holds me so that I am not tossed by every, you know, wind and every struggle that this life brings, so they can experience that. They will have the anchor for themselves. You want to know what happens when you see others experience this faith that they once struggled with? What happens to you? Here's what happens. Your faith grows. Your faith will blossom because there's something about seeing someone else experience that same thing that you experienced. Now, there may be some of you that are, that are quick to say, well, we shouldn't rely on other people's faith to build our own. Hold on. But what about that time when you first came to Christ? Was it by the faith of others? can imagine that it was it had that had something to do with it that that's how it was for me anyway Jesus said go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature faith that faith that we are to earnestly contend for that which was once delivered to the saints that which was once delivered to you We must contend for it. We must bring others into it. Remembering that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. That means that someone's got to hear it, the word of the Lord. If we are to contend for it, we must have it ourselves. We must not be ashamed of it. As we come to a close here today, I want to end our time together in prayer as we've done in times past and will continue to do. If you are needing your faith built tonight, let's stand. You've come to the right place. It's time to turn your eyes to the Savior. Maybe you have influenced others by your faith. 
And I know a few of you who have, who have shared your faith story with others and have encouraged them. But each of us, let us pray that our faith continues to grow. Let us pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for every opportunity we have to come before you and learn more about your word and to grow in our faith. Oh, God, help us to apply these things to our lives and to our daily walks with you. Lord, help us to daily walk by faith and not by sight. God, grant us your continued strength and wisdom as, as we continue to reach others and share the faith that was once delivered to us to others. Lord, I pray that there be a desire all over this place to make heaven crowded. I pray that there be a desire all over this place to reach like we've never reached before, to grow like we've never grown before, to stay closer to you than we ever have before. Oh, this world will, be, will bring trouble, and we, but we know where our help comes from, oh Lord. It comes from you. You go before us you stand beside us. You're closer than a brother. And you've already taken care of everything that's behind. And we praise you for it. Lord, I pray for every single heart in this place. Lord, that you, you would rest on our hearts. Lord, Lord, that you would build our faith up in this place so that we can keep going, so that we can keep living, so that we can keep growing, oh God. We want to grow closer to you with each breath that we have, with each day that we have in front of us, with each opportunity that we are given. Oh God, help us to grow. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And I want everybody to say amen and clap your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. God bless you all. In Jesus' name, next week we will be talking about helping others serve others. And we'll see you all this Sunday for church. Amen.